Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we make modern meaning out of ancient texts. We explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 12 minutes. 7-Minute Torah is a production of La'asok, the liberal Beit Midrash. You can become a supporter at laasok.org or at patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. All right, welcome everyone. This week we are exploring a very challenging Torah portion. At the heart of Kitisa is the incident of the golden calf. Kitisa starts at Exodus chapter 30, verse 11, and it goes through the end of chapter 34. At this moment, the people of Israel are still standing at Mount Sinai. We've just finished receiving all the instructions for building the Mishkan, the portable sanctuary in the desert. Moses has been up on top of Mount Sinai for something like 40 days and 40 nights. And that, of course, is the precipitating event for the very challenging episode that happens in the midst of this parsha. So I'm reading at the beginning of chapter 32 here. It says, Vayar ha'am kiboshesh Moshe laredet min ha'har. The people saw that Moses was taking a long time in coming down from the mountain. So the people gathered against Aaron and said to him, Kum aselanu Elohim. Come on, make us a god. So Aaron instructs them to bring in all their gold, and he melts it down and he makes a golden calf. And the people declare, Ela Elohecha Yisrael, Asher Ha'elucha Me'eretz Mitzrayim. This is your God, O Israel, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. And they have a big party, and they worship this golden calf. And if we were to go further into the Parsha, we would see that God gets angry. And in a way, this is almost the end of Judaism before it begins. Because God wants to destroy the people. And it's only because of Moses' lobbying that the people get a second chance at all. So as I said, a very distressing account and really a very confusing story. I mean, are these not the same people that just came through the Red Sea, that just stood at Sinai and received the laws? What are they doing building a golden calf? What are they doing straying so far from the God that they just experienced themselves? It's interesting to think about from our vantage point as modern Jews who don't pass through the Red Sea, who don't experience voices from heaven. And it's truly probably an indication of how common doubt in God has been or questioning God has been throughout Jewish history. In fact, there's a very easy way to explain this story. The story is about fear. These people are in a really uncertain situation. They've just left slavery. They're wandering in the desert. They're far from home. In fact, they have no home. And now their leader has disappeared for 40 days. They're afraid. And if you're interested in exploring that kind of thinking more, I would invite you to take a look at my podcast on this topic from 2021, which is called The Only Thing We Have to Fear where I talked about fear as the motivator for the kind of behavior that we see here in the golden calf. But the rabbis and the commentators are not satisfied with that answer. They are deeply confused by this incident. They're deeply confused and distressed by the notion that the Israelites who just passed through the Red Sea would now abandon God so easily. 
And they write a midrash to try to explain it away. So I want to read parts of this midrash to you. This is from Exodus Rabbah. And I have to say beforehand, I have to preface this by saying that I'm not espousing this. I don't like this midrash. But it points up a really important issue in Jewish life that I think is worth talking about here. Here's what it says. When the people saw that Moses delayed Boshesh coming down the mountain, they said, Ba'ushesh, six hours of the day have passed. Moses said he would be here by the sixth hour of the 40th day. So at the end of 40 days, 40,000 of the mixed multitude who had come up together with Israel gathered against Aaron. Aaron responded, Any minute he will be coming down the mountain. But the mixed multitude paid no attention to him. All right, so what's going on here? This mixed multitude, in Hebrew, Erev Rav, is a group that we learned earlier in the Torah came out of Egypt together with the Israelites. Back in Exodus chapter 12, verse 38, it says, Vigam Erev Rav Alaitam, a mixed multitude went up together with them when they escaped Egypt out of slavery. And Rashi says that this mixed multitude was, quote, a mixture of different people who were converts. The commentator Ibn Ezra says they were Egyptians that mixed in together with the people. The Torah doesn't say who these people are. And by the way, there was no such thing as conversion in those days, which Rashi doesn't seem to know. But either way, we have this tradition that it wasn't only Israelites who escaped Egypt as part of slavery. There was a whole other group. Maybe they were other slaves. Maybe they were partners and spouses of the Israelites. Maybe they were others who saw the opportunity to get out when they could get out, and they came with us. And the Midrash is blaming them for the golden calf. It says that they're the ones who saw that Moses wasn't coming back. And they, the Erev Rav, the mixed multitude, gathered against Aaron and instigated the creation of an idol. And if that wasn't enough, a midrash on a later passage in this same parsha has God saying to Moses, hey, go down and see what your people are doing. And Moses says, what do you mean my people? And God says, yeah, these mixed multitude, you accepted them. They're your people. So two different midrashim place the blame for the golden calf not on the Israelites, but rather on the converts, the non-Jews, the people who are part of the community, but also somehow separate. The rabbis do this, I think, because they're trying to salvage the Israelites. They're trying to explain how it is that the Jews who just passed through the Red Sea and stood at Sinai could rebel so quickly and so easily and so fulsomely. But their answer is a really problematic one. Their answer is, it wasn't us at all. It wasn't the Israelites. It was them, the foreigners, the non-Israelites, the strangers, the ones who are not part of us. They led us astray. They were the problem. I discussed this Midrash this morning with my weekly Midrash study group that I run through La Asok, and we were so uncomfortable with it because there is a xenophobia here that sits just below the surface, that as soon as something goes wrong, the rabbis are jumping ready to blame it on the semi-outsiders. And I think this points up an important tension 
that has always existed in Jewish life. You know, in Jewish law, it's actually prohibited to differentiate between born Jews and converted Jews. It's prohibited to point out to someone that they converted because you'd be making a differentiation. But when someone has become Jewish, when someone has converted, they are fully Jewish in every way. And yet, that's not always the case in practice. I've known a number of cases of people who converted, who ran into bigotry within the Jewish community, who received the message either wittingly or unwittingly, that you can't ever really be part of us. You can't ever really be fully Jewish if you didn't have Jewish parents, if you didn't grow up eating gefilte fish, if your name is O'Malley. How can you really be one of us? And I think that kind of attitude is actually all too common within the Jewish community, even if it's technically a violation of Jewish law. We're funny about this. Because as a religion, we are completely open to people who want to join us. Once you convert, you're a Jew, and that's it. And yet, because Jewishness has an ethnic component to it, we're also a little cagey about it. We're not always the best at making people feel welcome, making people feel that they are fully a part of us. We sometimes think of conversion at best as something to downplay or minimize. Oh, just don't mention it. And at worst as something to be questioned. And I think we're seeing exactly that here as we read this Midrash, that tendency toward questioning the sincerity of those who join the Jewish people, toward thinking of them as outsiders, even once they've joined us. When I was, um, <laughs> when I was a young rabbi, 16 years ago when I was first ordained, I served as assistant rabbi at a congregation in North Carolina. My senior rabbi, Rabbi Judy Schindler, did something I had never seen before, and which I learned a lot from. When someone would convert, she would invite them at the next Shabbat service to hold the Torah and lead the congregation in the Shema. It was a public celebration of the fact that this person had chosen to become Jewish. And I was a little bit blown away by it, I'll be honest, because I had always understood and believed in the idea that people who convert are considered fully Jewish. But I don't know that I had ever thought of conversion as something to celebrate. It was rather something where you just want to avoid the stigma. You don't need to talk about it. But what Rabbi Schindler did was actually, to put it front and center, celebrate the choices of those who become part of our community. And I think that that is the antidote to the kind of thinking that we see in this Midrash. And for my entire rabbinic career, I've done the same. When someone chooses to become Jewish, I invite them to hold the Torah, to stand in front of the congregation, and to be celebrated for their choices by all of us. I think we need to think long and hard about the xenophobia that exists within our community. I think we need to think long and hard about how we can celebrate and welcome those who make Jewish choices, whether they convert whether they marry Jews, whatever way that someone comes to be part of our community, we are lucky to have you. Far from blaming the golden calf on members of our own community, we are at our best when we recognize that our diversity adds to our strength. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. 7-Minute Torah is a production of La Sok. 
Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7minutetorah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.